This is Indie Business Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7, Makers on Main Street. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, mentor and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and handmade entrepreneurs build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. On this episode, I will introduce you to Kristen Fraser of the Grapeseed Company in Santa Barbara, California. Kristen calls herself a born entrepreneur, and with good reason. She was born into a family of business owners, and she started her first business, a swim school, when she was 14 years old. As an adult, she always knew she wanted to own a business. She just wasn't sure what her business would be. But one day, all that changed when she was hanging out in Santa Barbara's wine country and noticed that the wineries were discarding grapeseed extracts, a byproduct of the winemaking process, for trash. She began to wonder if they could be used for skincare. And right after she wondered that, well, you know what happened next. And today, Kristen leads the Grapeseed Company's online retail sales, wholesale sales, and retail store. Kristen's story highlights the twists and turns of entrepreneurship and how you can try something and have it not work, and then fiddle with it here and there until it does work. Or you can try something and have it not work and then drop it completely. It's your gig, it's your choice. And I just find so much freedom in that. And so does Kristen. You'll enjoy hearing from her. You can get a summary for this week's episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 31. I'll be right back with Kristen Fraser of The Grapeseed Company in Santa Barbara, California. I am so excited to welcome Kristen Fraser from the Grapeseed Company to Indie Business Podcast. Welcome, Kristen. Hi, Donna Maria. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Well, I'm excited to have you for so many reasons. And I have to say that one of them is because I get to pretend like I'm actually in Santa Barbara, California for 30 minutes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you started your business and you know where you've come from. It's such an exciting and interesting story. Sure. Well, I actually, gosh, we're going to in June be celebrating our 11th year in business, which is just crazy to think that it's been that long because it seems like it's it's flown by. But um, I moved to Santa Barbara 13 years ago now um, after spending two years living on a sailboat sailing from Boston to the Caribbean. And I learned how to make products during that time because we couldn't get to regular stores um, and knew I wanted to start a business, but wasn't it hadn't all really jived what that was going to be. So we ended up moving to Santa Barbara um, at the end, you know, towards the end of the summer. And that's when harvest season starts through the fall for grapes, for making wine. And we have a great uh, wine growing industry here all the way up through northern California, um, that we actually source seeds from. So um, we saw these piles of grape seeds that were just being like left for trash after the vintners crushed grapes every harvest season. And I started doing some research on grape seeds and found out that they're great 
really rich in antioxidants, great for skincare, and thought I can start a whole skincare line on this. So I was teaching at the time and, you know, working a full-time day job as a teacher and then um, started selling, making a few products and selling them at the, the Arts and Craft Beach Show every Sunday, picked up a few wholesale accounts, and that's how the business began. Now, Kristen, so. something you said is really interesting. You said that you knew you wanted to have a business, but you weren't sure what it would be. Tell us a little bit about that mindset that that knows you want to be an entrepreneur even before you actually have a business idea. Yeah, so I, I'm what I call a born entrepreneur. I actually started my first company when I was 14 years old. And um, it was a swim school. It started as I was raised Catholic and had to do a confirmation project. So I taught a little girl who had Down syndrome how to swim. And I came from a really strong competitive swimming family. I actually um, swam on a scholarship at Syracuse University. So um, I, I have a really strong background in swimming and come from a family that actually had a 25-yard pool in our backyard because we, uh, my parents decided to build that when they had three kids that had no place to train one summer. So um, I ended up loving teaching, loving teaching swimming, and said to my parents, hey, next summer I want to do this for like lots of kids. So we just went and put flyers up around town. My dad's an attorney and he, you know, made sure it was legally sound for us as far as using a home pool and all that and having mm-hmm. having our clients sign waivers. Mm-hmm. He was on top of that. And with the help of my my parents, I um I started a swim school at 14 14 years old ran that business with my family. My mom and my sister went and got certified as swim instructors too um, for 10 years. And that's actually how I afforded in my early 20s to take off two years and just sail to the Caribbean. I had made some money from that business. I had just finished my master's degree and thought, hey, this is better time than any to take advantage of the lifestyle I've built. So um, so yeah, I, I it was interesting because I kind of went from the two extremes. I went from totally like you know, your first work experience being starting. And then I went and then I went and went into the public school system, which is just full of rules. So that didn't jive with me. And I knew that kind of right away. I was like, you know, there's really no way for me to grow and, and develop the way I want to if I stay in this type of work environment. So that's where like, wanting to be an entrepreneur again, and going back into starting my own business, that's where that came from. And I knew that even I knew that in grad school when I was doing my my master's in special education. I I knew that then that I was just like, oh, there's too many rules that I'm not going to be able to change and I'm not going to be compensated for if I do an excellent job um, because, you know, teachers are on a on a pay scale that doesn't really allow for that like other jobs do. So (laughs) that's great. You know, and what's interesting, too, is that you started with a business of your own at such a young age. But you also started as a teacher, which is ultimately what you became. You became a teacher. But then also, when you realized that wasn't what you wanted, you could hearken back to the days as a very young, young girl of being an entrepreneur. So there's a little, uh, you know, a, a great story there and a great reminder of the benefits of training your children about entrepreneurship at a young age so that they do see that they have that option when they get into a work situation that turns out not to be ideal for them. Definitely. I mean, my, my parents, when I look at now, were like extremely, extremely supportive. Just mm-hmm. 
of everything. If we had a passion for it, they were supportive. I'm one of four kids. I'm the third of four kids. And um, yeah, I mean, I said I wanted to do it and they were like, okay, let's, let's make it happen. Okay. And that, you know, <laughs> so. so even though your parents may not have been entrepreneurs, they had that mindset as well, that when their child expressed an interest in doing something creative on her own, they, you know, rallied behind you, even built a pool for you and your siblings. <laughs> that awesome. Was that was a few years before I came up with the swim school idea. But. Okay. Well, it, I'm sure it probably encouraged you that you you had a place to teach swimming. You didn't have to go yeah. rent one or drive somewhere. So so that's wonderful. So you, you discovered the benefits of grape seeds. You learned how to make the products that obviously, you know, uh, repurpose this yeah. valuable natural resource. And so you found yourself at this market uh, selling these products and then you were working a full-time job and then like you knew you wanted to leave. So, I mean, did you organize that? Did you plan that? What was what was your plan? And, and tell us, you know, in terms of time chunks, how it worked out. So for three years, I um, was very lucky that Goleta Union School District, which is the next town over from Santa Barbara, worked with me. And they, they really valued me and my, my talents and um, said, hey, we want you as much as we can get you. So they let me work part time. I, the first year I was 80%, then I went down to 60%, then I went down to 50%. And the reason I had to do that is because Santa Barbara is so freaking expensive. (laughs) It's it's a really expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't just jump all in right away because I needed to have some sort of steady paycheck. Right. So, um, you know, it was, it was just a lot of perseverance and time dedication. I do not work well at night. I'm a total morning person. I think it comes from being a competitive swimmer and having all those years of like having to get in the pool at Mm 5am. But my brain just works better in the morning. And I had to train myself for like a year and a half to actually be able to do stuff at night, which was really a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. um, Because I'd have to, you know, work on grapeseed when I when I got home from teaching all day. So um, yeah, I, I just each year I could I cut back a little bit. And then I finally got a private label deal that was, um, I think it was somewhere between 30 to $35,000 all said and done. And that, for some reason, gave me the confidence in 2008 to leave my day job. <laughs> that, that, that was a handy, a handy chunk of confidence <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean, that's not that much money. Um, we had actually just managed to buy one of the first foreclosure homes in Santa Barbara. So we had just bought our first home at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was like a lot of risk that I was all of a sudden confident to take. But I felt like, all right, if, you know, my wholesale business is doing well, and if someone wants to now pay me to start doing private label work on this level, I can start marketing in that way too. And so I found a way actually to, um, with my accountant to finance, we bought a three bedroom home and to finance two of the bedrooms as grapeseed renting them out. And for the first year, that was how we uh, made the mortgage work. <laughs> so <laughs> there was there was a lot of creative financing with the business um, that that actually made me able to become a homeowner in Santa Barbara. And that's that's another thing too. That's a really thing, a really challenging thing. Like a lot of a lot of people that live here are not homeowners because it's so hard to get into the market here. Um, but just being able to leverage the business in that way and use my home. Um, as both, we were using it both as production and office and shipping at that time. 
um, yeah. That's... Right. It's, you know, and, and I, your story is so interesting. And we're going to talk about your decision to open a store, which is so yes. exciting. But what, what's interesting, too, is that um, we've known each other for a long time. And I'm just looking right now to see it, the IndieBusinessNetwork.com blog. We did a story on you in 2008 yeah. about uh, your um, taking your um, business full time and leaving your job. So we want to make sure we let everybody know that they can get that there and, and really kind of go back several years and see um, even more about how you did that. But bring us forward a little bit to um, once you started getting your requests for private label and wholesale you know, at some point, a store came into the picture. <laughs> so the store came into the picture really shortly after that. I mm -hmm. mean, I went, I was so all in with Grapeseed at that time from like 2008 to 2010. I just worked on it nonstop, nights, weekends. I loved it. That was like, I. it didn't feel like work because we were growing so much and I was seeing you know, like, wow, I can really support myself mm -hmm. just on this business. Mm -hmm. um, so we hired our first employee who worked out of my home in uh, 2009 and also had picked up quite a few more larger wholesale accounts, bigger spa accounts and um, private label accounts. And all of a sudden, like the, the space that we had in the house was just nowhere near enough. So um, my brother's company, which is a um, pretty large tech company in Santa Barbara, a great startup success story as well, um, they had just moved into a new facility where they had an extra kitchen, office, and conference room that wasn't used very often. Mm -hmm. And so my brother's actually um, the VP there and, and very good friends with the founder, and the founder gave me that space for free for six <sighs> months. Oh my goodness. Which I still like every time I see him, just go up and give him a big hug. <laughs> well, you know, and, and <laughs> what a confirmation that must have been for you at the time, because still, you know, in your home, first employee, still, you know, working 24 seven, I'm sure. Yes. Um, you know, to be able to have that happen, it's like, that's not an accident. Yeah, it's a sign. <laughs> so that was amazing. Uh -huh. But it was only six months. Um, yeah. You know, he came, they were growing really fast too at that time. And he came to me one day and said, Kristen, I need you out, you know, in 30 days. And I was like, okay, what am okay. I going to do next? Right, so right. I go out on a walk in the neighborhood and, um, this was right in downtown Santa Barbara that we were, and I see this space mm -hmm. and I called the number in the window. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know, now, I'm signing a I'm lease, kidding. right? Exactly. <laughs> And within 15 days, we had a lease signed. We were starting to do all the construction on it, pretty much most of it ourselves. We had the floors refinished by a professional, but, um, you know, all the all the shelving, all the decor, everything like that, um, my ex-husband and I did completely on our own. So we we built our production kitchen and retail store and office in that space, and um and, and this still, was all done having absolutely no retail experience, right? No retail experience, except that I love to shop. Okay, okay, <laughs> good. Okay, so you get your retail therapy on. I loved to when I was little. Yes. Um, but no retail experience. Uh -huh. I, had, I, didn't, I have never taken any investment money. I've done this all on, I initially put about um, 2,500 into grapeseed of my own seed money to start. And that was all I had left over after the sailing trip, basically, from from my um, earnings from my first business. 
Right. Um, so I basically put all my eggs in one basket, put what I had left of like extra money I could, and I've built on that. We've never done a friends and family round of funding. We've never done anything, any loans or anything like that. So I had enough in the bank at that point that, um, you know, with sitting down, looking at making mm-hmm. more of a business plan in that area, not, not a real formal business plan, but, you know, really looking at our P&L and can we afford to do this and can we afford the monthly rent because we weren't paying any rent, we were right. getting that space for free. So yes. this was really taking on quite a bit. Um, so yeah, we, we made it work and Santa Barbara is a wonderful vacation destination. And that is um, also really something that helped us out we definitely had our local following customers that were super psyched, like, oh, you have a retail store we can come into every day. Because literally, sometimes I'd be leaving orders on my front porch for people to pick up before that, because <laughs> they, they wouldn't want to pay for shipping in Santa Barbara if they were local. And I got that because I wasn't doing the beach show anymore. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, and these orders um, were being placed at the time they would be placed online, right? Yes. So, yes. so we built the website pretty early. We developed an online presence in by 2005, we had our first website completely up. And I, and I love this because it's it's so exciting to see so many people start with the internet, which is what everyone thought would eliminate our need for having a physical presence in the first place. But we're using the internet, well, not everyone, but certainly there was enough, you know, people talking about, oh, you know, we're never going to have communities anymore. We're all going to be online. And what's happening, especially with makers and handmade entrepreneurs and people like you, is that you're taking that online presence and recreating it in a physical space. And so then you have that leverage one against the other, and then you have more eggs and more baskets. That is so huge. I mean, the whole maker movement right now is just awesome. But I think what people love most is that we, they can see like, oh my gosh, you're doing everything from sourcing the grape seeds in our local wine country to Mm -hmm. processing them in your warehouse. And we use the sun. So we have them in our back parking lot, like for for weeks at a time when they're in the drying process and stuff. Mm -hmm. They, They love the fact that they can come to the store to pick up their face cream and like see this all in action, that they can see what we're doing with the wine waste, that we're making the product on site. We have a labeling room on site. Um, our staff is all both retail and, and production. Mm-hmm. When I hire people, I say, you know, you need to be flexible because this is the type of work environment we have. And right. what we've created, like both our customers love coming in and our staff loves being here. Mm-hmm. I actually had <laughs> you know, colleges are getting out. We have quite a few um, university students that we employ. And I had someone who came to me yesterday and she goes, you know, just whenever after school's out that you can get me in here, I want to come because I just like being here. She's like, I need the money too, but I really like being here. Oh, (laughs) how wonderful is that? You're still teaching, Kristen. You're still teaching. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to be surrounded by that, too. Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Be, like, if you think of so many people are not happy in their work environment mm-hmm. and that you're creating, when you open a retail store, you obviously need more employees because you're tied to the clock. But you can create a work environment that's inspiring to your employees and that you actually want to be in so that it doesn't feel like work. So that's another really empowering mm-hmm. part about um, that whole experience. And also having that face-to-face interaction with the customer. You know, it's awesome online. You get reviews, whatever. But, like, seeing someone come in and say, "You like, my skin has changed. This stuff is like skin crack. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm telling all my friends about it. Mm-hmm. That's 
that's how we have grown. It's been viral marketing from our customer base and from social media. We put very little into advertising. We tend to get a lot of press because we're doing a really unique thing, taking wine waste and turning it into skincare products. And we actually are the only company that does it ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, every other co company that does anything like this, they're they're having someone else do it. Right. Right. So, you know, we are making it, and that's a huge part of. Um, what I've struggled with with growing as well because as we've started to deal with bigger retailers like Whole Foods and the TJ Maxx group and things like that like we're doing when we do our larger production runs we're doing 8 to 20,000 units at a time and like still doing that in the maker fashion is tough stuff so. yes yes I, I can imagine you know but I, I think about the young lady who wants to work with you and how much she's learning uh, just being around you and seeing you create a business and run it from soup to nuts as you're describing but there isn't anything else like that and I would imagine that that is a reward in and of itself definitely and it's also a core in our branding and that's mm -hmm. what I go back to whenever I'm like getting business advice whether it's from coaches or stuff like that they're like oh well outsource that outsource no. that no you don't understand this is the core of what we are and who we are and why our customer base loves us and is so loyal so we can't we can't do that you know that's not that's not an option for us we're going to find a way to make this work and take on the right wholesale partners and private label partners so that we can continue to do this yes yes um, i love that approach so, and and yeah. you know it's decisive other people may disagree from a business perspective but Definitely. you have created something and you know exactly what it is you know exactly what your customers like and what they don't like and what attracts them and what gets them to tell their friends and you're smart enough to know well i better get up tomorrow morning and do that again because yes. that's what works so so in terms of, of of your retail store do you sell uh products other than your own there or is it just your brand we sell um, a few of our private label products. We do some private label products with some of the wineries where we actually have their branding on the soap or it's oh, co-branded with nice. both the Great Seed Company and Buttonwood Winery. So certain certain private labels that we have that agreement with, we sell in the store. And then um, also, I know like our whole thing is we are a natural anti-aging line. Um, there are certain products that people want that don't fit in with that branding, like deodorant. Like I know we're never going to make de deodorant because you don't anti-age your armpits. You know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not what people are doing. So yes, I um I have sourced I, two other brands that I bring in. We carry a natural deodorant here called Organic Essences. That's mm -hmm. um awesome. It's mm -hmm. like the only thing that actually works that I've tried. That's a natural deodorant as mm -hmm. far as sweat as well as odor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then <laughs> we also brought in a mineral makeup line as well um, because a lot of our customer base said hey you know we're doing all these great skincare things and we've totally cleaned and green Caroline line but like we want the same for makeup and I knew we were going to never make mineral makeup so right. um, again went out and sourced a mineral makeup line and we now actually one of our um, our production manager used to be a Clinique Macy's girl and so she does we offer a, like a makeover service as well and she just loves like having that as a little side thing that she does in addition to being the production manager here now so um she we actually do makeup services and and she'll like have you in for a, a little mini makeover where she can re recommend a whole oh, whole gosh. line for you and 
which is good for a lot of people that like the natural skincare because they, you know, they want to look clean and polished, but they don't want a ton of makeup and they don't want something that's going to take a ton of time. So she's awesome right. at, you know, working with people to help figure it, out what the best products are. So. It sounds like such a fun destination location. Kristen, what sorts of advice and strategies would you share with our listeners who are interested in opening a retail store in their area where they also do the making and the production at the same location? I think that, well, I think that's a necessity. If you're, if you're a maker, you need, you need to be doing both in that location. Like just opening a little mall card or something like that, I don't think is going to get you, if you're going for that type of branding and following, it's not going to get you the same following as having your production and everything in the same facility. Um, Number one, location, location, location. (laughs) We moved from a very busy drive-by first location to right across from the mall off of State Street, which is the main street in Santa Barbara where all the shops are. And the amount we do daily in sales is at least on, it's got to be on average somewhere about 60 to 75% higher than what we were doing in the first location. I haven't actually run it for 2015. We moved um, in the middle of 2000. We moved at the end of 2013, so Mm -hmm. I have the numbers to 2014. But location is huge. You, um, and unfortunately, you're usually paying more for a better location, but, um, you know, negotiating a lease that's going to work for you if you do grow and get out of something. I actually moved within the same management company, so I wasn't quite out of my other lease, but was able to get out of it by getting my neighbor next door to take over my space for the remainder of the spot and then getting into this new spot under the same terms with the management company. So once you actually negotiate leases, which is a whole, God, that could be like 10 podcasts. It's exactly, <laughs> exactly. But um, once you actually do it, it's really important to build that relationship because that relationship is leverage and that also becomes your, you know, your space becomes a value for your business too. Like if you have a really good lease that's that's five to 10 years and it's stu- it's at a fixed rate or it's at, it can't go be- beyond a certain percentage, mm-hmm. um, that can be enormous for both your business growth and if you ever want to sell the business as well because a lot of right. people, even if the business could be not doing so well and failing, right. other businesses want to get in for the space. Right. So when you're going into retail, you have you have to think about like it's, it's a whole other business in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely recommend, and a lot of people can't do this right away, and I couldn't do it the first six months, mm-hmm. but getting some sort of manager or assistant manager, because retail, you are tied to the clock, and it is a grind when you are used to working on your own terms to be tied to the clock again, um, and to a space yes, you know, that you physically have to be there. So having someone that's competent enough that you can, you can rely on, I think would be number two after location is having having a backup person that's at Excellent. least going to cover you, you know, if you can't afford even part-time, at least going to cover you two days or one day mm-hmm. or something like that, so you can take a break. It's funny because I, I had a store at one point in time and I didn't, ex- I didn't think about that on the front mm-hmm. end. And I remember I met this guy and I fell madly in love with him. And suddenly I would, I would come to the store and I would put notes on the door, like, 
we're closed for the afternoon. And I started getting hate notes at the front door because we had an ad in a local paper. So people would say, I drove 25 miles to get your handmade stuff. And and so I, I quickly realized that um, they didn't care that I had, uh, you know, thought I found the love of my life and I better be there with their products. So that's a really good tip. At one point, Kristen, you had two stores, right? Tell us that story. So we opened a, we needed a larger manufacturing facility and found a great warehouse space that also was zoned for retail. And there were quite a few other makers in there, a bread maker, um, ice cream maker, like, you know, also a brewer, bunch of other like maker type businesses in there. And I thought, oh, this is cool. We can open like a little 250, 300 square foot in the front. And then the rest will be warehouse and shipping. We have this huge roll up door thought it was just the best idea ever because we could be literally maximizing on two retail stores. That's where I found out about location. <laughs> okay. Okay. Our only customers were crossovers between the other businesses there. Okay. Carpenteria is a very small town. Um, we were easily accessible off the freeway, but it was like, it was a destination to shop. It wasn't like you were going to shop a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. Was, there's not much there. Right. So we weren't doing much in sales, yet we were still tied to the clock. Um, right, And right. my decision to close that place and consolidate to downtown to our new location came when um, I just, I gave up. I was so sick of driving back and forth between both locations because I always had one good manager I could rely on and mm-hmm. I never had and I was like, this is ridiculous. I, I can't be spending my time troubleshooting the fact that, you know, the manager didn't show up or something like that happened right. Right. Um, and having to go over there because that's taking away from money making stuff I can be doing in other ways. You know, like that's not how I should be spending my time running, running around doing someone else's job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I actually just decided I'm sick of this. I I live downtown Santa Barbara. I love being downtown Santa Barbara. I want to have a location just in downtown Santa Barbara. But it was really tough to find because warehouse space down here is A, non-existent and B, very expensive. If it is existent, Mm -hmm. you're paying what you'd be paying for, you know, a regular space. So um, I was just like, you know, telling my landlord about it one day and I was like, she said, you know, there's this space that's been vacant. Like no one wants it, but I think it would work for you. Mm And, th- and that's where you are now, right? That's where I am now. So I found a space that actually has a warehouse in downtown Santa Barbara that I'm paying under a dollar square foot for the warehouse, which is like, wow. if anyone in Santa Barbara heard that, like if anyone ever listens to this podcast from Santa Barbara, they'll be like, what? We, can't, we, won't, we won't tell anyone in Santa Barbara. <laughs> um, so you have, you still have everything together though, right? You have your production, you have your retail, you have your offices, everything is still in one place, right? Everything in one place now and I that has been like my sanity check yeah it's, it's so much better we're so much more effective we're selling more the business is growing more um, people are happier job wise like because I don't think our employees liked going between two locations either it was like wait where am I supposed to work today right well and then also you have to transport your products from where you make them to where you sell them and that 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 can be a nightmare I would imagine depending on especially depending on how far away it is. And I mean, you know, if you're driving a tiny little car, that's an issue too. So um, w- wonderful, though, that you, you have uh, come from wanting to be an entrepreneur, but not knowing what kind, discovering <laughs> as you're walking through your hometown, 
uh, the, the product that can be used inside everything that you make to opening your online store to opening a retail store and opening a few more and closing and, and finally finding what works as a package for you that makes yeah. it easy for you to deliver to your customers and they're happy and your staff is happy. I mean, it's like such a perfect business model. It's it's pretty awesome. It's been a long road to get here. I've definitely learned a ton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and learned from so many like things that at the time I thought were mistakes. I was like, no, that's a huge learning experience for yes. the direction business needs to take. Yes. And that's that's been um, that's been a major guiding factor in how we've changed our business plan and changed our growth model and mm-hmm. and you know the people that we're working with and all of that. So, well, I yeah. just, I mean, you've, you've got to also have an aroma bar. We haven't talked about that yet yes. either. People can come in and they can take your bases and they can scent them the way they want and then rebottle them. However, whatever size they want and buy them that way. Yes. Yeah, what that's, fun. That's, and then you have parties. Yeah. Don't you have like these wine parties? Didn't I see something about that yeah. somewhere? So we do, we do both private parties um, in the store and parties during the store hours. And we are just starting in the past year to do um, offsite parties too, where we go set up on location at some of the resorts um, and wineries. And um, we're actually doing one at a private beach house next weekend. We did one at a restaurant last weekend. Um, so it's all these different avenues that the business has grown again a whole nother podcast in and of itself but i am a firm believer in the maker business you've got to have multiple revenue streams you cannot be dependent on just your online store i I absolutely agree or something like that so yeah yeah i look at um the fact that we've developed you know events Mm -hmm. retail store online retail private label wholesale Yes, it's a lot to manage, but if one ever starts not producing, we have all these other revenue streams that we are still invested in and that are bringing money in and that we can now invest more time in if the, if one of them doesn't make sense anymore. Well, and you just listed five, Kristen, and that's not an exhaustive list of, of, of what you're doing. Um, but five. And so and I agree with you so much. I don't think any business, whether you're a maker or not, one revenue stream is just not going to cut it. It's certainly what you want to start with, because you obviously don't want to stretch yourself too thin when you have no resources at all. But yeah. um, if you're not financed, and you don't have much money, you've got to start with one but growing and and you know creating different eggs to put in that basket so to speak is really important but but as we close out let, let's just count those again and make sure we got them all because this is really exciting <laughs> we have the retail store you have events in the store you have events outside the store you have wholesale you have private label um you have you t- online retail so yeah i counted uh, events as one so that was that was six we just listed but i'd say yeah i'd say five main main ones with counting events as one yeah um, yeah yeah but, so yeah, it's, it's awesome it's, it's been, just incredible but you know what it's really too events is really too because doing an event in your store everybody comes to you yeah, right it, you know doing doing it someplace else you add two yeah. or three hours on the front and back end just to set up and clean up yeah, you got it. And that's it. I, for probably anyone that's listening to this that's done a craft fair, you can relate to that. Yes. Like moving that oh, stuff. my goodness. It's, 
We did Earth Day this year, and I said to my staff after, never again. Never again. a retail store for a reason. I don't want to set up my retail store someplace else. Right. Come to me. Come to me. Everyone come to me. Awesome. Well, listen, for those of us who are lucky enough to visit Santa Barbara or who are already there and don't know, which, of course, is a very small number of people, I'm sure, give us your address so we can come and visit your store and maybe tell us where your next uh, party is uh, later this summer, if you have any planned, so we can tell everybody how to get there. Yeah, so we're at 21 West Ortega Street, which is right off of State Street, right in the main block of downtown Santa Barbara next to Paseo Nuevo, which is the big outdoor mall. We're right across the street from Macy's. Um, and we have the scent bar open from 10 to 6 every day, so you can come in anytime and do that. Or you can even just bring a small group in. You just have to meet a party mini- minimum, but you can bring a small group in at any time, and we can do a party either private or, or during store hours where um, – you can bring in whatever you want. And um, I. the one other thing I want to mention is that I am this summer actually starting a program where I'm going to be teaching how to open a retail store if you're a maker. Ooh. So, I know. Do, I, okay, so wait. I'm all excited now. And we're, uh, <laughs> So let me just say, thegrapeseedcompany.com is the website. Will there be information there about it or is there another... Where should we go to get that? We are going to have inter- information up by the end of the month on cultivateyourniche.com. Okay. Which is um, our consulting site. We've been doing private consulting for the past few years, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to finally be able to launch this. I had some some personal issues that delayed it, unfortunately, but it's finally happening, which has been like a huge passion project of mine for a while. So we're going to be launching um, three courses before the end of 2015. But the first one is going to be about opening a retail store if you're a maker and opening a workshop space that you can actually make your product in. That's so incredible. So awesome. Gave a little bit of an overview of that today. But Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the it's a four week module and a four week course and each module happens um, per week. And each week, we're going to hone in on some of the things that I talked about today. Okay, so then we are, we've got seven eggs in the basket coming up here. So and I'm sure there'll be more, right? Um, no, this is wonderful, because what it shows is that entrepreneurship is never ever ending. I mean, you've had the grapeseed company for I think you said 11 years, you started with nothing, you had $2,500 and an and idea. And yep. now you have a store oh, that has these six six income streams, and now you're in a position where you can create as many new business models as you want because you've worked for what you know almost a quarter of your life to get one down that you can use as a platform to build so many more, and that just makes me so excited. Yeah, I'm super excited about it too. We're finally at the point where, you know, the Grapeseed staff is pretty much running Grapeseed on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is, I've brought on people that have different talents that I need to grow my maker business. Mm-hmm. And they are going to be available on like a one to one consult to do graphic design and things like that. Like, you're going to have access to our people mm-hmm. to do these extra projects outside, which is really cool because um, that's one of the hardest things was finding someone affordable to do all those things. Yeah. To do those. 
Oh, wonderful. And I'm excited too because it just merges my teaching part. I still love to do that and, and yes. miss that. So like yes. I'm excited to be teaching again. That's that's kind of what I want to do and where my passion is lying right now. So it's well, kind well, of the perfect mix of both. Yes, so. and that theme has kind of run through from we're we're full circle now because this whole thing started when you began teaching classes. And and I think yes. I said this in the middle <laughs> as I was listening to you talk, you are a teacher. And so how perfect that you've been able to combine all these disparate different aspects of your personality. And honestly, you know, life, you know, has, you know, it's, it hasn't been without its bumps. And so you, you've been able to uh, be flexible and continue to build this business around your life as your life has evolved and changed. Definitely. And we could have a whole nother podcast on that. And I, I just <laughs> I can't make you sit here all day. But um, <laughs> I would love to and I know our listeners would love to hear more. So let's just make sure we uh, the grapeseedcompany.com and cultivate your Make sure you check out both of those. You need some products, you need some learning, go there and get all the information that you need to be successful and have a good time. And maybe Kristen will also teach you the backstroke. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what could happen when you're in Santa Barbara, right? Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It was great to talk with you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Kristen Fraser of the Grapeseed Company in Santa Barbara, California. And if you did, won't you show me some love on Twitter? Just go to IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash love and you can let your friends know that you enjoy the Indie Business Podcast. I really want to make it useful for you. And if I'm successful at that, please let me know by sharing. And you know, if I can improve the podcast, let me know that too. There's a contact link at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash contact. And you can share whatever you'd like. I read every single message that comes through there. I'll see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.